This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. We do have a final from Pittsburgh. UNC falls 76-74 to the Panthers. Uh, They were down a, a, a lot of... Things had to go right for an impossible comeback, and like several of them did in a row before finally not all of them did, and the comeback fell apart for UNC. Joining us now for the oh, don't we do we have music for the round table? Camelot, Camelot. It's only a model. When that's the round table, we dance where we're able. We do routines and all the scenes of footwork in the cable. We dine well here in Camelot. Now keep it going. I don't want to cut off the music. Our Knights at the round table today. It's the old school league pass layer. From Buzzbeat Radio and now freelancing for sites across the ACC. I don't know who he's not writing for these days. It's our good friend Brian Geisiger. BG, what's up, dude? Uh, not much. Uh, happy New Year to you guys, or almost. And you can check out his work at the Bison Express. Our man Brendan Witted, research. What's up, dude? I'm doing well, man. I did so. I, I'm major flub. I thought the Carolina game came on this like this evening, and so like I'm like, wait, what? Where? Oh. What are people watching right now? And so like I'm just now finding out that we lost that game. Uh, and so this is this this is my real time in real in in, in real time reaction. And uh, you know what? Honestly, pretty par for the course. UFC's uh, all over the place this year. BG, did you watch that, or did you have eyes on the Duke's Mayo Bowl? Both, neither. What? <laughs> So I was actually, uh, I was at the YMC. I was going to, I'm watching this game later. Okay. Um, but right now, so I didn't watch the Hornets game live last night. So I had to get through that this okay. morning. Yeah. And then okay. You'll, you'll laugh because I'm also working my way through UCLA, Maryland Stop. from a few weeks ago. Stop. So I'm going to get, I'm going to watch state versus Clemson live today. And then I'll get to UNC Pitt, the carnage of this game, uh, a little bit later on. But yeah, I mean, like, I do think Jeff Capel and this Pitt team sort of like, stumbled accidentally into like a pretty killer offense not killer but like a pretty solid <laughs> offense this season like last year they were so dependent on john hugley who was like uh i think he was honorable mention all acc last year but was like a center that could pick and pop a little bit but mostly like played out of the post would score out of the post tons of usage and they would like run offense through him and this year they just got like lots of guards and like they're all like you know fourth and fifth year seniors they can play five out and this dude, Blake Kinson, the guy that they, the transfer they got from Mississippi that's missed some time with injuries has been really good for them today. And he had a nice game. So um, they, they're, they're hard to guard because they got, they've got like decent size. They shoot a ton of threes. They space the floor and uh, they've got some guys that can make tough shots like Jamarius Burton. Um, no, I don't, I don't want that. I need you to watch the game and just tell me all the, all the, all the calls, the calls they got wrong, BG. I, I, I will say it is interesting to look at the box score and one, like, that's why I do want to watch this game. Cause like, in terms of some of the four factors, like UNC, like, you know, uh, UNC was better on the, like, you know, UNC had more offensive rebounds. UNC got to the line more. It's not like Pitt had a big game shooting from deep, you know, to pull the upset off. Yeah. They just, they just outperformed them on, on, on two point attempts, you know? So we'll have to see how the, the cake was baked in that one. Is, uh, it, is this a bad loss for UNC? Yeah, it's not good. That's nah, for sure. Although like, although Pitt is like, they're not like, you might be, I don't know where they are in the net, but Pitt is like a top 75 Ken Palm and Bartorvik team. So they're not terrible. And this was on the road, but I don't know where Pitt is in the net right now. It's a good loss. It helps the resume. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right, let's start with a question for both of you, and then I've got some questions I might just ask specifically to one person. Let's go with an easy one. What's something cool you got for Christmas that you liked? Uh, uh, either something that surprised you or something that you requested. Brendan? Uh, sleep. As a person that cannot sleep through the night at all, like g- being able to go back home and like it was just real. It was incredibly chill. I was just talking to Victoria about this. Like all I did was um, watch sports, cook and eat like we don't we're not really a, a, a presence. Okay. Family. OK, not really. Like, that's not our that's not our bag. OK, uh, but like just being able to, to kick you honestly, like and not think about anything other than sports and food for a few days. That was it right there. All right, fair enough. Brian Geisinger, you? Yeah, Um. so I'll go two ways. One, which was like the, I'm a boring old guy now, which is that I I got some Cutco knives and like, nice. uh, <laughs> like, like, a, like a knife wedge, knife block for them. Yes. So, so, so it's really tying the kitchen together right now. And then I also got a, I got a pair of uh, AirPods too. So, ah, those are both you good. Know, yeah, so um, I can listen to, I can listen to, the best of the Adam Gold show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I'm at the gym. Nice. Uh, I actually got along the same vein. One, I got several things. One of my favorite gifts though was my wife got me these um, sunglasses with speakers in them, like Bluetooth speakers in them, so they Whoa. don't go in your ear. And like, I wouldn't wear them at the gym. They they project a little bit. Like I wouldn't wear them on the subway. You'd be kind of a jerk. Yeah. But for like every time I walk my dog, it's like I got to put the shades in, then get the AirPods out of the case, put those in. It's like you know, if I put them in my pockets, just a lot. Now walking the dogs, just throw those shades on, and they're and they're they're, they're not terrible looking shades. They, you know, they're just plain. so you got to look now. I'm about to say that's a look. Yeah, you got you got you got a little bit of a thing going. Now, you, got, you got a little yeah. bit of a Top Gun. I, I will, you know, perm. Yeah, perm. We'll say the first time. Like I'm certain this wasn't the first person to like wear those types of glasses, but my first memory with the is um when he played for the Boston Red Sox, Manny Ramirez was like the first guy I ever knew that wore those, and it was like, oh, Manny B. Manny, he's listening to music when he's playing left field at, at Fenway Park. So that's that, that's that, me. That's what I associate with them. The only uh the, the only downside is when you have the AirPods in. Like I, I do try to be, especially in places like the dog park where it's like. I'm just there to exercise my dog, but also like there are other people around and you're trying to be social. I always go back and forth on this in like public transportation too of like sometimes it is easier to get through the day with AirPods, but like we're a society and a human, you know, humans, we need interaction. I try not to be like ISO when I'm in the, the total public world, <laughs> but sometimes you do you like either you you need to listen to a podcast or you're watching a game and now you can listen to it or like I just really want to hear this song. The pods in the ear are a signal that right now I am doing my own thing. The shades offer no like clue to other humans that I might be listening to music. So people are like <laughs> shout me down, and then they then they think I'm totally just being a jerk as opposed to not hearing them. So I don't know. Uh, all right, let's go with uh, questions specific to one person. Brendan, I saw. Well, I heard you on the Adam Gold show last week talking about some of the the Deion Sanders and the implications and all the discussion around HBCU and and that move. Um, uh, this week, we've had the news of Ed Reed being hired by Bethune-Cookman, and I saw you raising some interesting questions and writing about it on your website, including the, hey, cool for Bethune-Cookman if, if they're raising their profile, but also in the wake of this, the person not getting a job, maybe that guy that's been an a- a HBCU defensive coordinator for six years and is kind of 
you know, doesn't have the status of Ed Reed to be able to do, you know, quote unquote, jump the line, if you want to call it like that. Um, that doesn't just happen at HBCUs. People with status and celebrity can often do that. But uh, but tell, share some of your thoughts on the implications, good, pros and cons of uh, of the celebrity hire uh, at, at these college jobs. Sure. Uh, and and you mentioned it, uh, BisonExpress.org. Just go to the blog section. You can you can you can read a lot of my work, and, and most recently the Ed Reed Giant. Um, basically, it was it was it was kind of what you said that there are a lot of people that are that have been in coaching and and have gone from position coach to coordinator, moving around the country to try to get a better opportunity to ultimately be a head coach. And I'm certain that those people probably feel a certain way about this, right? Like I know originally when, when Ed Reed hired Bethune Cookman, I was like, Oh, this is dope. This is great. Especially on the heels of Dion. You see, you know, as, as many things are, it's a copycat sort of a situation. Right. And, and we've seen Eddie George go to Tennessee state with like middling reviews. I think he's like right below 500 for his two seasons there, but it's so important because a guy like Ed Reed, hall of famer, legendary player can walk into these, walk into these living rooms and like, Hey, I know what it takes to get to the NFL. And ultimately, even if you're going to an HBCU, there are there are people that legitimately think that they can go and play at the next level. And they can. Right. We've seen guys do it to Cohen. Uh, there have been several players uh, uh, currently that are that are um, on rosters uh, that, that are from HBCUs. And so while largely it's going to be met with a lot of happiness, I just the, my natural juxtaposition was to against uh, Jeff Saturday where while he was a head coach at a, at a Christian academy for a few years beforehand, people thought that, hey, you're going essentially from an ESPN analyst to the head coach of an NFL job. You're jumping people in line. You're not going to be prepared. Like, this is a completely different animal than what you to what you are accustomed. Um, and so it, it, it at least made me pause and think. I'm not going to say it's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I love well-resourced, well-connected Black people coming back to HBCUs to, to – to, to be a part of the, the be a part of the universe. I love that. I did just naturally think, hey, there are some people that have been working their their tails off to get this opportunity that are now getting cut in line. Uh, and we'll see by whether or not it works specifically at Bethune Cookman. But the more and more we see that, the more and more you're going to see other universities try to do do a, do a copycat. Uh, and it takes more than just a big name at the head coach sure. position to have success. But that is certainly something that you know. Look. Dion's uh, has an Amazon Prime special going on right now uh, about the season they just had at Jackson State. You know, what I mean, and media coverage is one of those things that have been incredibly important to HBCUs because we just haven't had those sort of media rights deals to be able to to, to be able to to share amongst our, our our programs. And so you see teams like A&T and Hampton leave because you can you can now pool that money if you go to Colonial, for instance. Yep. Uh, so that's just something that to, to keep it to keep an eye out for. It's also, you know, one of the biggest criticisms that I heard about Dion leaving was, well, you use Jackson State as a stepping stone. I thought it was a mutually beneficial sort of agreement for both of them. But the tacit agreement is, hey, we're going to give you an opportunity that you would not have otherwise. And you're going to be able to, you know, have a shortcut to this head coaching job so you can figure out whether or not you like it, whether or not you're good at it. But also that mo- that also means that by its very nature, you're having this be their ver- their first job. So there's a good chance they will go somewhere in three or four years if they do have that sort of success. I just want everybody to come in with their with their eyes open to recognize, hey, that's the tacit agreement here. Hey, we're going to give you your first shot when maybe you haven't, quote unquote, earned it. And also this might not this might be for a good time, not a long time. 
I just yeah. want I want that to be a very very clear thing that if you're going to bring this sort of person on, understand what's happening. You're trying to glean off of off of their name recognition, and they're trying to to get an opportunity without necessarily doing all their due diligence. Brendan Witted, check out his work at BisonExpress.org. All right, my question for you, Brian Geisker. Last year around this time, uh, there was talk about the catastrophic non-conference season that the ACC had, and they might even be only worth one bid come NCAA tournament time. Uh, obviously, that was uh, crazy talk, and the ACC got the last laugh uh, with how the NCAA tournament played out. Three teams in the Elite Eight, two in the Final Four. I ask you, what is the health, what is the temperature check of the ACC as a league? You don't know if you want, you can tell me how many teams you think will go to the NCAA, but just in general, what is sort of the health of the ACC as we now open up all this? Uh, I know we've played some conference games, but this weekend feels like the big, big opening weekend of uh, of going into conference season. It does feel like we have multiple ones of those with ACC play, but yeah, this yeah. really does feel like the mark, the, the actual signature one, like you know, winter break and exams are behind and, and it's the next two to three months that yep. are sort of like the meat of the season. And yeah, this is sort of like when it, when it gets jumping, um, you know, I don't think the ACC is in terrible, a terrible spot to begin with, but I don't think this is like, you know, this is not like a classic ACC. This is not 2017. This is not 2019. Um, you know, right now I think there are like five teams that have a chance of, of winning the league this season and, and being teams that could probably not only make the NCAA tournament, but, but get to the second weekend or get further than that. There are health concerns with some of the better teams in the league though, which is, which has been a bummer. Like we've seen Armando Baycott miss time for UNC at Duke. Derek Whitehead missed time with an injury. Derek Lively missed time with an injury. Jeremy Roach is battling a toe injury for Duke at UVA. Reese Beekman's got hurt. And in like, if you know UVA is really good, but if Reese Beekman isn't playing at a hundred percent, UVA ceiling lowers considerably. And you have a team like Virginia Tech that that is really good, but they're not like the longest and, and most athletic team either. So as good as that offensive personnel there is, Sean Padula is having an all ACC like a first team all ACC season at point guard. Justin Mutz, who's been there, who's been in college basketball for like eighteen years now, but is <laughs> awesome. And, uh, you know, he's he can hold up a defense, but I think they're a little thin and they're maybe they don't to me, they lack like a a, a dynamic, uh, like sort of like a- athletic presence on the wing. Um, they can really shoot. They're very creative offensively, um, but it, but it sort of does feel like they're missing like a piece or two in terms of like rim pressure and just sort of like, you know, steals, blocks, kind of like havoc stats um, in basketball outside of that tier once you get to the next group like i think that's one of the reasons why the clemson nc state game is interesting today is because those strike me as probably the fifth or sixth best teams in the league right now depending on how you stack things up and i I should also mention miami looks really really good i'm not sure what the score is um in their matchup with notre dame right now they're leading they're leading they look solid like they look really good they've got jordan miller's and uh, Norchad Amir is an awesome four or five on both sides of the court, but really tough defensively. And with Nigel Pack and Isaiah Wong, you've got two bucket getters um, in the backcourt, sort of a la NC State with Jarkel Joyner and Interquavion Smith. So I think State Clemson is, is huge today for a, for a lot of reasons. So I don't know. I don't think the ACC is is great this year. And it probably doesn't help that one of the teams in the league is just an absolute clunker in, in Louisville. Like they're yeah, so yeah. like, you know, <laughs> wow. if, if you're, if you're going by the old adage of you're only as good as your worst team or your weakest link or whatever, which I don't think that's like the, 
the best way to measure overall health of the league, but like they look really, really bad. FSU has looked better since a tough start. And I'll be, I'm going to go, I'll be in Cameron um, on Saturday for FSU Duke. And I'm curious to see what that game looks like both for Duke who's played very little basketball the last month because of exams, because of winter break. And we really haven't seen them in a long, in almost probably two or three weeks with Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead in the lineup because neither of those guys played in the loss at Wake Forest. So um, I don't know. I think this is kind of a mid year for the ACC uh, to, to, uh, if I were to describe it, yeah, to use a term. I like it. Yeah. But, uh, but there are some teams in the league, like, I don't know. I do think UNC has a, a level if it could if it could like solidify the defense and kind of yeah. figure out the hierarchy on offense and figure out the fit with Pete Nance and Armando Baycott. I think they have a chance to be Final Four good. Same with Duke if, if Tariq Whitehead uh, comes online as sort of like the slasher that everyone's hoping him to be. Miami looks solid. UVA solid. Virginia Tech solid. And um, Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Financial advice industry can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Is there a way to be sure you're getting the best service when you don't know? Yeah, Adam, it's not just if you gave the money to a planning team and they did good the first year. I mean, anyone can do good for one year, but it's a track record and it's a long-term accounts that are very important. We call that a financial fill-up strategy, Adam, and that gives you lifetime income you can never outlive. We'll put together for you, the listener, your very own total retirement plan if you call right now. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. I don't know. I think State is at least an exciting team um, and a team that I think maybe has another gear, but it is going to be tough for them getting into conference play, um, trying to figure out the center rotation without uh, Dusan Mohorczyk. Um, Brendan, anything to add? No, nothing okay. at all. I, I'm like, I'm, honestly, the, I'm mostly just watching you. The, so I haven't gone around <laughs> nearly enough to say anything. No, it's, it's, I, knew, I knew the BG has been writing for every ACC team site. Yeah. So that, that, <laughs> like, you had the answer. But I didn't want nothing to think of it, any import. Uh, yeah, you, you're doing the polite head nod, and I don't know if that meant like I've got a point to add there, too. Uh, no. Just an update on the Duke's <laughs> Mayo Bowl. Uh, Maryland has kicked a field goal. They lead 13 9. There have been, like I said, there's been some chippiness. There have also just been like some straight up hard hits. Like a dude uh, will run for seven yards and then just get tackled like pretty hard. So it seems like both teams care, which uh, which is more, uh, you know, as, as much as you can hope for in a bowl game. What were you going to say, per, BG? Per, yeah, can I, can I predict the future here real quickly for you? <laughs> yes. Can I give you the next score update? Yes. It's going to be Maryland winning uh, 13 to 12 after NC State kicks another. <laughs> you another you field know, goal. another field goal is coming. Like, um, it, what the, it's, it's, it's a combination of two things. One, they want to like showcase the Groza Award winner at Yeah, Cameron, you got I can't to. Believe, I can't believe NC State has a Groza. Like, if you were around state football prior to like Chris Dunn landing in Raleigh, it seems, it seems impossible that this team would have a, a Groza award winner at kicker, but also look, Dave Doran knows in these lean, hard, harsh economic times, um, you get, you get field goal can of soup and you, and you, and you just accept it. And you just be glad that you have those three points. All right. See, I'm, I'm that's st- what's going to sustain you to the next day. There I'm still no going for fourth and goal at the one yard line in an exhibition game sponsored by a mayonnaise company. No, we will kick field goal. We will kick 20-yard field goal, and and you will be happy about it. I'm still old enough to remember Mike Kofer from NC State when he was uh, automatic uh, and and played in the the pros. All right, an important question then for you guys. Where does mayo rank as a condiment? Is it, like, delicious, spread it on my bagel good? Is it gag at the smell of it? Is it (laughs) fine, but, but don't, you know... 
The, do you like it in your slaw? Do you like it on a grilled cheese sandwich? Where, where does mayo fit for you, uh, Brendan? Sparingly. Okay. Sparingly. Certainly not on the ba- the bagel thing. Is just, <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I was I was going over <laughs> extreme. <laughs> look, man. Look, I mean, you got people eating eating just straight up mayo and these, these promos and stuff like that. So I I don't put anything past anybody. But I mean, look, it's a good base for a lot of your a lot of your sauces and stuff that you like. So you can't yeah, yeah. you can't just be like nah, I hate mayo. But like, it really need you really need to have a have a deft hand when you're using the mayo. The mayo is <laughs> like well hey, said. Man, it's it's the uranium of condiments. Like, <laughs> ah, that's probably more. Like, yeah, really really watch yourself when you when you when you're handling the mayo. Um, you yeah. need a, you need a deft hand. Well said, BG. Yeah, this feels like a trap to have the. Uh, you like the the white dude to come on and talk about some like not spicy condiment and like start to sing its praises. So I'm just gonna say I'm mostly neutral on mayo. I like hated it as a kid, but I do recognize it at to Brendan's point as sort of like a base to like get you to something else. And I, and I guess I do like a like tomato and mayo sandwich. It's like one of the it's like a, I guess a southern delicacy of sure. sorts or whatever. So that's cool, but. Um, it's not, it's not really my jam unless you're using it to kind of as a building block to get to something else, I think. So, I just assume BG, BG, I just assume you're going to put on one of those cannibal sandwiches. Thank <laughs> God. Get out of here with that. Get out just of here. Just the raw ground beef and just like slather some mayo on there and you in there. Wisconsin, there like swimwear. Wisconsin people. And and that and they're doing that too. They're wearing swimwear, walking around while eating these cannibal sandwiches. The, the, the Midwest is a wild place, man. It's I will a say, wild place. I will say I've I've probably expressed this to both of you guys. I know BG, who I uh, um, happen to see more often, but I have been blown away at how much my taste buds matured in my later years. Like I figured after thirty five. Like, I, I'd matured some, you know, like, I'd added some things to the mix or, like, didn't have to pick things out. I could just eat the meal as it was, you know? Yeah, yeah, but I yeah. was surprised at how much, like, I I like tomatoes now. I like onions and things like that, you know? Um, yeah. And I, p- mayo is one of those ones, like you guys, I recognize that it is in my blue cheese dressing. Like, I, I right. try not to separate <laughs> the flavor palette and, you know, and so I, yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, but I, I, I wish... I even see, I look at a turkey sandwich with just a little bit of base of mayo on that white bread to give it the moisture, and I'm like, I want to like that. But I just, I have not gotten to the point where I could just do mayo standing alone, like as a condiment on that leftover turkey sandwich. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't want that at all. All right, all. quickly, I want to hit some professional sports since we're in Charlotte for the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, Panthers, have they kept you watching this year? BG, start with you. Um... No, I've come you, back. You can be honest. Okay, I, yeah, no, yeah. I've, come, I've, I've come back because, like, there was a point of the season where it's just, like, it's just Matt Rule. And it's just this, <laughs> this dumb oaf leading this team into loss after loss and just cliche after cliche in the press conference. And everyone's checking out. And David Tepper is, some for some reason, like, yelling at the fans and the media. <laughs> <laughs> like, instead of, you know, like, there's no mirrors at, uh, at Bank of America Stadium. It's so apparently. sensitive. It's so yeah. sensitive. It's incredible. All the money in the world. And yeah, he's like mad about fans having like, you know, a sign that says like fire Tepper or something like that. You know, the game or whatever. It's insane. But no, I think I mean, I've, I've come back because I think Steve Wilkes has sort of like tapped into the like the the Ron Rivera keep pounding. Pers- like, I don't know if Steve Wilkes is going to come back after, as, after this this like pretty impressive run as interim coach. But I think he has certainly tapped into just like the blind fandom I have for the team now. 
Um, the fact that they have an identity and the fact that Matt Rule is not just, you know, <laughs> foaming at the mouth on the sideline. Enjoy that, uh, Nebraska. Um, <laughs> that That is, like, enough to get me at least back in the building. But, like, I don't really have – I mean, I hope they beat Tampa Bay this weekend, but if they don't, like, um, it's okay. Nah, okay. That, that, that's pretty close to where I am. Brendan? I've been all in on this team all year. Okay. I have no idea why, but, okay. like, I've watched pretty much every <laughs> single game. Uh, and yeah, like VG's 100% right. Some of those rule games, I was just like, man, we are really, really bad. But the thing that kept me coming back was the NFC South, by how terrible they were. Yep. I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey man, hey, I'll, be, I'll be the tallest dwarf in class, right? Like, I mean, like, somebody's got to come out of this giant. So, like, yeah. And and then Steve Wilkes, especially after he got done dirty in Arizona, he got one year and then he, then he got fired, uh, which tied into a whole bunch of other stuff. But, like, I, I was glad that he at least got another opportunity. He's a, he's a North Carolina guy. Uh, had, had been associated with the organization previously, and he's five and five as an interim head coach. Now, I, you know, based on the presser uh, that Tebber gave when he was straight up asked, "Hey, does Wilkes have a legitimate chance at?" I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but does the Wilkes have sure. a legitimate chance at at getting this thing? He's like, "If he does great, we'll consider him." So it's really sounding <laughs> like, right? like so it's, it sounds like. I mean, you know, I mean, like, hey, you know, if if you ask somebody out and they're like, yeah, if this date goes perfectly, I guess you'll see me again. Like, all right, dude, probably, <laughs> I probably yeah. would, would, would put yeah. in putting more space on my calendar for that. But I'm hoping, right? And and I, I at least, if, if he gets this team to the playoffs, I think it's it will be very, very difficult to then come back to your fan base and be like, nah, we don't want him. Um, because it's, he did such a great job hiring Rule the first time. Right? Especially because there is a path. And I, I am, take the people in the situation out of it, Philosophically, I am a do not promote the interim guy, right? That's just yeah, like yeah, the history yeah. says bad. But it does feel like there's a fine line in this place, both like the way he shifted, you know, the feel of the season, kept the fan base from going total into like a total apathy, right? Like, like, yeah, like BG yeah. said, an identity. We can be like, hey, we might have to win this game 10 7, and the seven <laughs> of our touchdown might have to come from our defense. But you know what? There's a chance we might do that. Like, like we're in yeah. to, to watch for that. And like, watch Brian Burns, like, go out to people. Like, it's fun, you know? Like, um, and, there's, and the team is not bad, too. Like, no, no. Is, like, they have a talented team, particularly on and, defense. You have like Lubu and Derek yes. Brown and, when they, and Brian Burns and, and Horn. Like, they have talent on that side of the on that side of the ball. And when they get straight up average play, like I, I read it on this show, whatever Darnold's line was uh, last week was like the most average NFL. Now, again, you're average in the NFL, which is hard to do, um, right. because but like one touchdown, no interceptions, 200-something yards, and it's like, boom, that's it, baby. Average quarterback, and then, you know, no interceptions, get the ball down the field. Uh, so, yeah, so philosophically, I'm not an interim guy, but it does seem like there's a place to do, especially because Wilkes is a defensive guy. Yeah. You, there's a place to bring in that great offensive coordinator and know that they're going to be running the offense, right? right? And that Wilkes is going to be the culture character, definitely on the defensive side, um, hopefully good enough with the the on-field and in-game uh, uh, transitions, which they've been good at uh, under him this year. There's a pl- where's the rule? There's a place. <laughs> yeah, there is a place to to focus on the offensive coordinator and keep Wilkes in place and, and be okay with it. So I, I I don't know. I'd love to see it. All right, finally, and when you you okay. know though with you know with Wilkes, it's like short of him being the first coach to lead like an eight and nine team to the Super Bowl that like. Tepper in the front office can't wait to bring in some uh, no, like 100%. quarterback guru. 100%. You know? 
So Some like, guy that had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay four and a half years ago. <laughs> that's what I mean. And they, is also white. Too. There's a place to do that for offensive coordinator, but you're right. He's just going to do it. And, and Br- Br- Brendan is so right. When he was, he didn't even dare say, well, I guess if he wins out, we'll keep him. And then it's like, <laughs> well, if he does it, you, you know, you're not going to put a number of wins on it. No, you're just going to no, vaguely say, well, I guess if he does great, he might have a chance. You know, like, <laughs> no, no, no. There's no standard for that. Like, five, sorry, guys. Five and five isn't great. Yeah, sorry. Um, all right. And then final question for you guys. Guys, uh, I'm gonna start with BG because also BG quickly give me the the backstory on where we are in this situation. But Lamelo actually looked great last night, although I, I, I'm not mapping out his defensive uh, you know plays. I'm I'm watching behind the back passes and threading the needles and and being one assist away from a triple double. So yes, I am a fan. Remind me on where we stand on when would be the first time he could possibly leave and. Uh, like, are we at risk of losing Mello the way this season's going? And he's no, okay, no, okay, good. No, no, not it's not. I mean, I think if it kept up like this for a few more years, maybe you'd see. And and who knows? Maybe there is some need to at some point in time force force his hand or whatever. But look, Lamelo is in year three of his rookie contract, which means the starting this off season, the first day of this off season, Lamelo Ball and the Charlotte Hornets couldn't agree to a five-year rookie max extension, right? It's what Brian Windhorst at ESPN always refers to as the fun max because it's the first time for one of these guys to get like really, really paid. Right. And they invariably sign the contract. I suppose there's a chance LaMelo could say, could turn down the extension. Um, it's it's highly unlikely if someone's going to drop $150 million on the table and for you to say like, eh, I'm all right. But but maybe someone <laughs> like LaMelo, someone like, like LaMelo Ball, who is a, a star on and off the court has a shoe already with Puma. Like, you know, maybe he's the kind of guy that would say like, yeah, you know, like I'm not sure about this, but I'm pretty certain. I feel pretty confident that it's 6 1 PM the night that the, you know, free agency offseason starts. We're going to get a, a tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski saying LaMelo ball and the Charlotte Hornets have agreed to a, a five-year rookie max extension. My guess is that fifth year is probably like a player option. Like I doubt, I doubt the team gets that. So it'll really be like a four-year option. And I guess the thought would be that if things continue to like not be good, if the team continues to look like this into the second contract, then maybe you would get LaMelo demanding a trade out, but not until, I don't think until he would sort of like lock up this kind of money. Um, and I think also like this off season and the way the rest of this season goes leading into the trade deadline leading into the the draft lottery like we're gonna know more about this team even before the draft but you know by the middle of may when we have the lottery we'll know a lot about this team uh, we'll, we'll have an idea because we'll know if they've traded uh terry rosier gordon hayward or, or we'll know if they've traded um without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, Mason Plumlee or, or something along those lines. We'll know if they're going to completely, like, um, uh, botch the you know miss continue to mishandle uh whatever they're currently doing with miles bridges um which that's a whole other conversation i I think that that sort of extends beyond the the team building construct for a guy that i don't think should be 
Um, you know, I'm all for second chances, but I'm not sure that guy should be playing uh, basketball in the NBA anytime soon. Um, and so there's opportunities for them to like to 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 pull some levers and to to build this team up properly around Lamelo. Um, but I do think it we're still a couple of years away for, from that. And if it were to come, it's not going to be in free agency. It would probably be. Uh, via trade. like a trade demand or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, I had optimism for the Hornets at, like after last season, obviously some of it was uh, the, the, the miles bridges stuff, which, you know, uh, is, is what it is. Like you, that, that there's no, there, you didn't see that coming. Obviously there's not, a, there's no right. way to foresee that it was not a basketball thing or a contract related thing. Um, but there's not been a whole lot of optimism about the team this season. What are the things that you're most optimistic or that make you the happiest about the Hornets right now? So I can feel better about them. Besides Mark uh, Williams uh, looking good last night. I did see that. Awesome I was about to say, Mark, Mark Williams has looked good. And, and look, the, the Clifford and playing rookies or playing young players, I I never thought it was a perfect match. I think that he that there's a lot of good things that Clifford, the uh, head coach Steve Clifford, brings to them in terms of just like, hey, he's going to make sure you're playing hard. Uh, like he's going to give you like a, a lot of really good uh, advice on how, how to be a better pro. I don't think it necessarily that was what's best for a young team that's trying to grow. Because keep in mind, they pretty much everybody, the top four guys, uh, you mentioned Bridges, uh, Gordon Hayward, Shocker has, has missed time with an injury, uh, LaMelo Ball, uh, Rozier missed some time. Like this team was, you know, whether or not we wanted them to, to, to quote unquote tank, God wanted them to tank, right? Like this was not <laughs> going to be a good team this year with all the injuries and stuff like that. And so you, you immediately start looking forward to, you know, obviously the Wimby sweepstakes is huge. Scoot Henderson, another big-time uh, prospect that will be available in the draft. So the one and two this year in the draft is is is, is noticeable, right? Like it's like heading, even heading into this season, everybody knew who the first two picks would be. And yeah. either one would obviously be fantastic for the Hornets. You're you're a year closer to, to the end of Hayward's contract. Uh, and so you're – I don't know what happens with Bridges, as as BG mentioned. I don't know if they feel um, because of Bridges and Ball's relationship, if they feel pressure to bring him back uh, because of their 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 chemistry on and off the court. I don't I don't know what that means. I don't I don't know what any of these things are going to mean when it comes to when it comes to his particular instance. But if you're looking for something to be positive about, is the fact that this team can't go anywhere but up. Like, I mean, just to be to keeping just... an absolute stack with you. Like, there's there's some <laughs> there's some additions that they can make in the draft, get getting off of some of these contracts. They're never a big free agent player because Charlotte's just not a destination place like that, despite Michael Jordan being the yep. the, the, the owner, which is still a little bit surprising to me. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, they they'll they'll be able to have some flexibility and maybe get better in a very meaningful way in the next couple of years. Can't wait to get the third pick in the draft. BG, you probably want to respond, but I, <laughs> I, I have absolutely destroyed the clock, so you might have to talk yeah. Hornets next time you come on with Adam Gold, my man. I'm sorry about that. Eamon Thompson coming to Charlotte with the number three pick. I <laughs> bet you know a lot about Eamon Thompson, Mark. <laughs> Does he play for, like, Colgate or something? Or he, or plays for Saint Mary's? he plays for overtime. Uh, of course, of course. Yeah. Guys, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, have a good last day and a half of 2022. We will catch up with you guys in 2023. Appreciate it, fellas. See you next year. Year, guys. Yeah, yeah, there it good, is. Y'all.
Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc.